It was trying to call my phone as a phone number for some reason. Weird. Looks like. And and Charles, you were there uh, too. I'm still here. Yay, we Sorry did it. Sorry about that, <laughs> no. guys. No, this is. I was about to broadcast Megadeth, everybody. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 79 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Andy Welfley on hosting duties today. And as always, I'm joined by Johnny Gamber, uh, though we are a man down while Tim Wassum is finishing up his vacation. Hey, Johnny, how are you? Fantastic. How are you? Pretty good. So uh, we do have a great guest with us today. Um, he's been on with us before, all the way back in episode 14, 65 episodes ago, which is hard to believe. Um, but uh, since then, there have been all sorts of growth and gravitas in the pencil world. Uh, we're talking about uh, the Pencil Patriarch, the CEO of California Cedar Products, which is celebrating its centennial, and the resurrector of the Blackwing, Char- Charles Berlsheimer. Hey, Charles. Hi, Andy. Hi, Johnny. How are you guys? Hey. Good to be good. with you again. It's been a long time. Yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you can, uh, can uh, join us with audio. For some reason, our Skype was not... Working very well, and I have you on your cell phone, uh, or I'm sorry, your landline, and I have Johnny on Skype. So we're all connected, and we're all streaming live, Yay. so <laughs> the computers are almost working. A uh, landline? That's yeah. awesome. It's one of those analog <laughs> things. It's kind of like a... It's kind of like the well, it is internet of telephone, so... That's true. <laughs> oh, we're really cross-platform tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, Cross-medium. Um, let's... Uh, Charles is here with us through the whole episode, so um, he will be joining us for Tools of the Trade. So let's jump into it. Charles, what sort of media and or beverages, if any of that, are you consuming lately? Consuming? Well, um, actually, I'm at my office today, so I was looking around for what I might actually consume besides our horrible coffee uh, (laughs) or water. And I found that, you won't believe it, but I found that we still had some of these mini bottles of Sutter Home Chardonnay sitting around the office from our centennial event that that we gave in gift bags for our guests up at the Centennial Gala. So that's what I'm drinking today. Nice. Iced Iced Shutter Home coffee, uh, Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> as far as reading, uh, recently received a gift from Gail Steinbeck uh, of her husband Thomas, late husband Thomas's uh, book on short stories about the California Central Coast called Down to the Boundless Sea. So I've been enjoying that the last few days or so working through that. And uh, nice. I tend to read a lot of mostly uh non-fiction but it's nice to get back into the fiction mode a little bit yeah let's see what else tv uh I, last night i hit up ozark for the first episodes on on oh, netflix well, which that was saw crazy. That. yeah that, that was crazy uh, so I don't know. Looks that I, I enjoyed that first two episodes. So we'll see how how it goes from here. Yeah. And let's see. What am I riding with or on? Uh, I just decided I'd pull out my trusty two eleven. I haven't used that for a little bit. It's getting close to the Steinbeck stage here. So uh, <laughs> I've been using that in my Summit notebook, which is what I use around the office most of the time. Nice. Uh, hopefully nice. nobody knows your live location uh, and that you might have um, a stash of 211s on hand because that is a hot commodity. 
Yeah, I wish I did. I'm not. I'm <laughs> not any different than anybody else, and we don't really even have a manufacturer's backlog of that, believe it or not. <laughs> I think that there's some people in the group who probably just assume that you guys are like sitting on a mountain of two elevens to like keep the demand and prices up. <laughs> <laughs> Aging. No, yeah. we typically do a, a small manufacturer's reserve for gifting and other purposes, but I gifted a lot of them out. And then, you know, we oversold versus our production run on that first, on that release. So in the end, we didn't end up with much of a manufacturer's reserve. So I don't even have anything to kind of give away or trade. Well, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll be chatting about, um, some of the creative process that goes into the Blackwing uh, volumes later, uh, which I'm super fascinated about. Um, but yeah, meanwhile, Johnny, what about you? What are you consuming and writing with? Um, I just saw Dunkirk last night, finally. Oh, how was it? Which was super awesome. I really enjoyed it, but I'm a Nolan fan, so walking in, it was already skewed in his favor. Um, this isn't a spoiler. There's a nice pencil cameo whereby a British pilot uses a very small white grease pencil as a replacement for a fuel gauge. Hmm. It doesn't work because <laughs> it's a pencil. <laughs> But um, I finished Ozark a couple of nights ago. That have you you've seen the previews for this? Or folks that don't know, it's a Netflix um, series with Jason Bateman, but he's not doing a comedy role. And also, there's Laura Linney, who I kind of can't stand. You don't like Laura but, Linney? No. You know, the first <laughs> time, the first thing I saw her in, knowing who she was, was when she was on Frasier, and she really stunk that part up. <laughs> Plus, her character was annoying. I was really disappointed that he wound up with her. Yeah. Sorry if I just spoiled the end of Frasier for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was really really good. There were a lot of like oh my god moments, especially toward the end. Yeah. And um, I finished the second Harry Potter. Charlotte and I are going through them, so I'm reading them really slowly with her, and it's kind of irritating. And back issues of Poets and Writers because I forgot that I have a subscription. I'm looking at like five of them, which is most of a year. So, um, I'm writing with Forest Choice HB, one of my favorite pencils, in a Field Notes Campfire notebook, the first one, which is, I think, Dusk. Hmm. How about you, sir? I am uh, lately, well, actually, right now I'm consuming a um, Fort Point KSA, a Kolsch style ale um, that is brewed right here in San Francisco. It's really good. Um, just found it in my fridge. I'm actually recording out in the living room today. Um, Katie breezy yeah Katie is in Indiana and I have the whole apartment to myself so usually I sequester myself in the office and record this podcast and it's just me around here today so I am as physically close to the main source of internet as I can to make sure that things work so now I'm convinced now more than ever that all of the internet problems we have is my fault so so yeah (laughs) question if you're you're alone are you wearing pants um I'm wearing shorts like um Lounge shorts. They're not boxer shorts, but they're like soft, soft pants. <laughs> that was a yes or no <laughs> question, man. Yes. <laughs> well, my, it's not a onesie. Yeah. No, <laughs> not wearing a onesie or a, um, oh, what do they call those? They're like rompers for men. They're, it looks awful. Not wearing no. those. And I have, we don't have those in Maryland. <laughs> I have various cats sleeping, sleeping around me, um, and I'm like located very close to the internet. So, um, uh, besides that, I have lately been consuming, um, I just read a book called, uh, it's a book of short stories by a, an author from the Midwest, from Iowa, named Keith Lesmeister. He wrote a book of short stories called We Could Have Been Happy Here. 
And they're like little vignettes about like life in Iowa among different characters. Um, we read it for a book club that Katie's sister is in that we attended when we were back in Indiana last week. So um, it's pretty good. Um, it captures life in like rural Midwest. I did not live in the rural area. I lived in a um, like a small, medium-sized city. Uh, so it did not like capture my personal feeling about it, but it's still just really interesting. Um, read that. I am now reading the history of salt, um, which you just finished a couple weeks ago, Johnny. Um, What'd you think? I'm I'm about right in the middle of it, but it's it's really interesting. I didn't realize that so many words come from salt, like salary, and yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, it, and how they harvest it is really interesting too. Like I never I never thought about like salt flats from lakes um there's actually salt flats like on the san francisco bay uh kind of down by um, down kind of by redwood city right charles do you know about this yeah when you cross over from uh the south bay or the east bay to the west you 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 cross some of those old salt flats i don't know if they're still using them as much as they once did or not yeah for production though yeah they they look really cool it kind of looks snowy around the edges on those those places so uh doing that and i am uh, more about this later but i have been sitting here the last uh, couple days folding and stapling um certain things and while that's been on i've been finishing up season 10 of doctor who a show that i've liked for decades um and watching a different show on netflix called bojack horseman have you ever seen this anybody no it's uh it's very weird it's a cartoon um, and there's this guy who is sort of like an anthropomorphic horse, and he lives in a world where there are humans and horses together, or like animals together. And it's like a good plot and premise, and everything else is just bizarre. So I don't know how I feel about that right now. And I am writing with a uh, one of those Tombowed recycled pencils, um, with an eraser on the end of it, an HB that I just just picked up at Mido. Um, in my campfire notebook, um, and I'm using the night, the night one. So, a rusty, yes. or, or as or as Johnny has me saying, a rusty fountain pen and a minion's moleskin. So, <laughs> I'm definitely not writing a minion's <laughs> moleskin. I do have I do have a rusty fountain pen, however. Are you serious? Yeah, <laughs> gotta put this on Instagram and be like, "This is your future, Brad Dowdy." <laughs> Here it is. <laughs> I'm going to just I'm going to just start making up things about uh about uh fountain pens that you know about Notco like all the kind of fountain pens you can fit in there people won't even know. All right. Uh <laughs> let's move on to fresh points. Um Charles, do you want to start us off with uh with some of your fresh points? Sure. Uh well, honestly, I've been kind of out of the loop since our centennial with some vacation time and getting off the grid, so I haven't really seen a lot of what's new out there i know what's new with us of course but uh one thing since you did mention pens is that karen dash has a new set of you know their 849 mechanical pencils and pens that i always uh seem to like they they do a lot of different designs with them they have a new tropical uh design version of those and when i was checking those out i saw that they also had a whole new series of youtube uh video tutorials on on using prismalo uh, they're Prismal Aquarelle pencils. That's our watercolor pencils, and it's kind of neat to see those guides. I like watching those things and trying to learn something about using color pencils. Um, so 
that's kind of it on the outside side with uh, with you know of course with our centennial we took we took a i took a the opportunity to write a history of the company uh, we've just published a book the story of calcedar 100 years of pencil supply history and i won't really get into that um on the now because we're going to talk about the history of the company in a bit but uh, we did actually just raise a link we've uh, going to make it available for people who are you know, anybody who might happen to be interested in the history of the in the company so we're doing that and uh, had just a great event over with everybody coming in from around the world and we finally just put that link material up on uh, the calcedar homepage for for under for our centennial uh, party and, and it's really a pretty cool three-day event with customers coming in from know, at least nine or ten countries around the world. And, uh, really, really exciting. We had probably at least what's interesting. Here we are, a hundred years old, and there's at least nine other companies that came and participated that were older than us. So we were just kind of the new boy joining the club. <laughs> so it's kind of a unique, unique, interesting thing about the industry. I, so. I loved, uh, at one point, there were uh, both the Blackwing Instagram account and the Pencils.com Instagram account were live streaming uh, the musical act that was happening just right there on Tahoe. And it was I was sort of switching between them to see uh, the different angles that I'm assuming both Nick and and Alexander were capturing. It was it was pretty good. It looked fun. Yeah, I, I, I heard they did that afterwards. And, and we have a bunch of actual video also from the show, but we haven't gotten to getting through all the video there's just a lot of content there so i'm excited to see it it was a great show i you know particularly i think they did the black wing portion not the, not the whole not the whole event so we had you know two different acts we had willie t taylor who was uh, willie, willie t uh who is our uh black wing artist who we cut the album with a couple of years ago and he performed a couple of songs he's just a great guy and kind of a new relationship that's developed out of the Steinbeck model uh, when we did the 24 a couple of years ago through Gail Steinbeck, Tom's wife. She has a nephew named Johnny Irion. Uh, so essentially he's what the grand nephew of John Steinbeck, hmm. singer songwriter, and he's married to Sarah Lee Guthrie, who is Arlo's do- youngest daughter and the granddaughter of Woody Guthrie. Oh, so wow. we, had, kind of had Gu- we had Guthrie Steinbeck, uh, heritage you know they're performing for uh our show they they perform as a duo as well as independently recently and uh we've gotten to know them through this event it was just really great to have them and gail join us as part of the event and uh they opened the set with you know with this land is your land it was really fun that's really cool really fun yeah nice um anything else for your fresh points charles no cool johnny how about you um, I just have two little things. Um, my kids have a play date that actually got postponed. So we've <clears throat> I'm hooked on these mints from Trader Joe's. I don't know who goes to Trader Joe's and buys those vanilla mints that are not very strong. So you can just like sit in your car eating okay. them over and over and over again if you used to be a smoker. Um, <laughs> I hate those mints. So, oh, man, I love they're, I don't like the blue ones. But I really like as, the vanilla. They're not as hideous as the green tea mints. If ever you've had those. Oh, those are really disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> I threw those away. But the... Um, I go through like one or two tins of vanilla ones a week. Embarrassing. So I have all these tins. So last summer, uh, my kids and I filled them up with pencils. So I got a bug up my butt this time because we had some tiny little poop emoji sharp, um, erasers and tiny rainbow erasers to go out and find some little sharpeners and make them little sketch kits for um, 
my kids and their friends to take the zoo and they have little notebooks in them um and their names on them with some really cool stickers they find at target so there's a link in the show notes to the post on pencil revolution about that hmm. if you want to make some i mean i didn't give you very good instructions but you know just cut <laughs> some pencils in half and put them in a box kids love it <laughs> boom done <laughs> um another piece of self-promotion is i wrote an article about moleskins that was on the cramped last week hmm. because you know it was our gateway thing <clears throat> you go back and you're like oh yeah moleskins are awesome then I don't know where you go from there, but you know, I moleskins are awesome. It was interesting that you wrote about how you clearly remember buying your first, first moleskin because I thought back and I totally can too. Like I, I bought a little pocket moleskin, um, probably in like two thousand three, um, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. Like I think it was the first like really nice little notebook that I ever had. Yeah, I miss when they were sort of esoteric and people would be like, what in the hell is that? Like, it's a notebook. Check it out. Yeah. What would you do in a notebook? I'm like, I write in it. What do you think? <laughs> I definitely used maybe yeah. like 10 or 15% of it before I just like lost it or um, just like discarded it. I used to blow through them. It was beginning embarrassing. <laughs> and, and go to work and be like, John, do you have another most? Like, Shut up. <laughs> I'm writing about you in here. Like and I, I can't believe I'm paying seven to nine dollars for this thing. Yeah, yeah, they've gotten expensive. They're like fifteen bucks used to be ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, those are my two fresh points. How about you, sir? All right, I figure I I should probably give everybody another plumbago uh, update. Um, yay! It is so I have everything printed. I've already caught a typo, <laughs> so to, can't do anything about that now. Um. And just to kind of like save the cost, my supply chain and, and like finishing process has been kind of like split out. So I got them back and I am folding and stapling these things myself. Um, and then I'm going to take it over to the Aesthetic Union, which I've talked about on the show before. It's a cool little like letterpress print shop in San Francisco. I made friends with the owner. Um, he is going to kind of like chop the edge fine for me and cut, kind of chop it smooth and, and make it like to the to the edge of the cover. And then I'm going to take that and I'm going to round the corners and mail them out. So uh, it's going to take a little bit of a process, but I think that probably by the beginning or middle of next week, I'll start mailing these orders out. So uh, we've gotten a lot of orders. I think I have like, I I need to check for sure, but I think we have like two or $300 to give to Black Girls Code, which is the charity uh, that we're donating to, um, profits to. So it depends on uh, how much postage comes to and how much I'm going to have to purchase and postage but uh yeah it's been a really fun project it looks great so i can't wait for people to get these it really hands. good i've been kind of and you did a really really awesome job with this doing the layout and stuff i've been abstaining from sorry posting. i'm interrupting you oh no you're all right <laughs> posting <laughs> pictures of like the the cover on facebook just because i want people to like to see these things when they get out so drool yeah, yeah i'm excited about that yeah we're looking for it yeah so yeah we have those um I'm also kind of working on uh, my friend Tony Hedrick, who is a designer and designed the uh, original wood clinch pencil vector pack, uh, the little illustration of pencils that we I, we use for a whole bunch of things. He was telling me the other day he kind of wants to make a second round, and I am interested in uh, crowdsourcing that to see what people really want to see, what pencils, like what basic pencil shapes we haven't really like captured um, last time. So... If anybody has any any ideas, send them our way. Uh, write in the comments on this this episode, or um, comment in the chat, or reach out to me, or post in the group. Whatever, whatever you guys want to do. Um, 
Johnny or Charles, are there any like like fundamental pencil shapes or specific models you guys want to see? Um, bridge pencil, and Ooh, good call. A fat pencil. Cool, like a like a jumbo. Yeah, I'm gonna see all the extremes. <laughs> <laughs> now you've got all these pencils with what grips and and carve outs like the groove for Lyra or the easy grip for. Oh, you know, yeah. So maybe something with, with with some of those tech being on the sides for help for ergonomics or something. I don't know. How, I don't know how that would work, look in a vector pack though. Drawing. Yeah, I, I was thinking about like those crappy Bic Extra Fun pencils that they have at Target, just because I think they look really cool. Oh, a Wopex. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it wouldn't have like just to the... make everybody wind. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You know, I forgot. I'm to... sure there's a few silent boos out there when we. <laughs> <laughs> uh mike in the chat suggested trirex which is a good idea um yeah i forgot to tell you johnny i um so my i was at my sister-in-law's house in fort wayne last week and i totally saw a wilpex in the wild she had a uh like a little notebook with like a little list pad sitting on her desk and there was a wilpex on it that's awesome your sister-in-law's <laughs> awesome <laughs> let her know you said um yeah, I also think um, a couple of erasers, er, uh, not erasers, sharpeners I want to put in there too. Um, somebody suggested the um, the Nataraj marbled pencil that um, that they make. Ooh, that would be nice. That would be an interesting challenge for, um, for, for Tony to put together. So love to try that. Um, last thing I want to mention is um, we talked a little bit about green, green ink last time on the show, and uh, I wanted to follow up that last follow-up that we had, um, I, you know, I talked to Brad Dowdy or I sent in an ask the pen addict question about green inks. And he suggested I try a zebra Sarasa clip green pen. Um, and since the last episode we recorded, I went and bought one and tried it out and it is perfect. So, um, I need to reach out to Brad and let him know that this was a perfect suggestion that green is exactly the green I was trying to emulate, um, with, uh, the Uniball vision evergreen pen since I can't find that quite anymore. So it's like a rich, dark green. It's great. So thank you. Thank you, Brad, for that. Um, and then also, uh, speaking of green inks, Baron Fig is now selling uh, refills for both the green and the red inks. Um, and basically, they're a branded Schmidt refill, um, I think. And so, uh, yeah, so they have that on the website. I just got an email today about it. So, yeah, so that is all I have for Fresh Points. Um, we should probably get into the main topic um and really that's just kind of like all of the things surrounding you charles right now um i want to talk a little bit about like calcedar the company and its anniversary um a little bit if you're if you're cool with it about maybe some of the creative processes that go into the black wings volumes because we just think it's amazing amazing um and then uh johnny mentioned which is an extremely worthy subject talking about environmental stewardship as far as like the forest choice pencil goes how it was the world's only fsc certified pencil um which is since like expanded. was yeah yeah it was <laughs> yeah so um yeah first um first we should probably give some background like i i feel like i'm pretty familiar with like cal cedar and all of the like brands that sit underneath it um but i know that we've had people in the group confused a little bit before about what Calcedar is, what pencils.com is, what blackwing is, what palomino is can you kind of walk us through um you know, like the org chart, if you will? Sure. So, obviously, our history at Cal Cedar is with the supply of 
cedarwood to the pencil industry. So, uh, you know, our core business uh, since founding in, in 1917 has been to produce incense cedar uh, wood slats that are used for making pencils. Our customers all over the world, you know, some of the top brands, whether it's, you know, a writing pencil or or art supply pencil, artist material pencils, or or uh, cosmetic pencils. In fact, cosmetics is probably one of the strongest part of the business and demand for cedar uh, these days. Obviously, there's been a lot of change over 100 years in terms of wood supply, and incense cedar itself, you know, replaced eastern red cedar as a primary wood species, you know, about 100 years ago. Here we are another 100 years later, and and other woods have come to take, uh, you know, the more commodity, higher volume side of the business, while incense cedar is the prime, you know, kind of primary, the premium side of the market. Um, so that's kind of the historical core business. Obviously, we were in the business for quite some time as a pencil manufacturing family, uh, before that, so one the family kind of split, came to California, and our side of the family, my grandfather acquired Cal Cedar, and we built that up. So then it, Pencils.com really started out as a promotional concept for, as a part of our promotional programming in the 1990s, when we were seeing a lot of competition from new species of wood coming a lot of primarily from Indonesia, rainforest hardwoods that were just being uh, cut down rather dramatic places and not really great for the environment. And uh, so we wanted to position incense cedar as a renewable continuous supply resource for for the industry. So we did a lot of teacher education kits that we sent out and pencils.com was really just an educational site from about 1995 till, you know, until we decided to convert it to e-commerce. It was what happened is bit by bit we were getting a lot of inquiries and emails. Uh, we had done a lot of work in the 90s with promotion uh of Cedar and what happened is that people started sending us emails saying, where are we getting, you know, where can we get a decent pencil? The, the world was commoditizing in the, in the globalization period of the nine, 90s and early knots, and uh, the, the big retailers were consolidating. They were worried about price, 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 and uh, the supply chain was consolidating with a lot of the pencil industry uh, merging, and, and uh, price became the main issue. So, we started getting a lot of inquiries about how to get, how to make good pencils, or where to get find any good pencils. You know, people, some people weren't as, as used to shopping and maybe at art supply shops versus for where more variety of brands were versus office supply stores and things like that. So, uh, we decided to try an experiment with Pencils.com. Actually, before that, we kind of introduced our own brand of of pencils that was the california republic line at the palomino and all right and all that yeah yeah and uh so that kind of that's what morphed into becoming the palomino brand group and you know when we got the blackwing brand that build up so essentially the two parts of the business are the slat business and what we really call nowadays kind of our lifestyle brands business what consists of the Palomino brands are products with, with which have Blackwing and Forest Choice and Golden Bear, which are really the three brands of pencils that we concentrate on. The Prospector brand is actually probably going by the wayside here. We we we're, we're winding that one down, and uh, the Pencils.com is essentially the e-commerce 
uh, channel where we promote not just our own products, but wood case gen- pencils in general and supply also pencils from a number of the people who buy slats from us and promote their brands as well. So in a sense, you know, the Blackwing and the Pen- Palomino brands is the product branded uh, area and, and pencils.com is more of an educational channel, a little bit about how pencils are made as well as, you know, a place to find pencils and related products. You guys had uh, forums on Pencils.com, too, right, back in the day? We originally, yeah, when we started it, you know, my, my vision for the, for the site at that time was to kind of create a group of forums where people were interested in writing or art or whatever, where they could go and talk. You know, this was in 2007 or eight. At that time, I think Facebook was, uh, I think it was still only open to students. I think the main social media channel was... Now I don't even know the name of it. It was gone, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> MySpace. <laughs> Friendster. MySpace, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh so, I mean, there wasn't a lot of that, but quickly, you know, Facebook came around to some other areas, and we realized we weren't going to be a key gathering point for people uh, interested in those things and, and sharing that. So we kind of refocused on just being the e-commerce and some information. Yeah. Nice. You know, it's easier for us to use those other tools, those social media tools, to promote those things than yeah. to than to host our own site and try to build a community. That's you know, it's hard enough to build a community around your own brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys used to be um, California Republic stationers back in the day, and Palomino was a model of pencil instead of sort of an umbrella brand the way it's become. So could you talk about what's going to happen? You mentioned Prospector maybe getting phased out what happened what's going to happen to the orange and blue palomino pencil that a lot of us adore very very much not sure so we've got them still um we've kind of you know there's some changes in the cedar market going on and and uh, you know one of the things is we've got a lot of different products and uh maybe not as many as, as a lot of other pencil companies of course but um there's not a lot of volume there. We like it. Uh, we're trying to figure mm. out uh, some of that. We may be actually promoting Forest Choice a little bit more mm. in the future Ooh, and introducing some new items in Forest Choice. So, well, if you want to, um, Charles, if you want to see a grown man cry, um, you can watch mm-hmm. Tim do it. If you discontinue the Palomino <laughs> HP, so <laughs> yeah, no decisions been no no clear decisions been made on any of that. Yet, yeah, right. No we're, <laughs> we're we're looking through those things, but yeah, I mean, if you were to make a um, the extra firm core black wing, which is pretty similar to the Palomino and a natural finish pencil. People might not miss the Palomino that much. Just saying. <laughs> you could call Crap. it the Andy and Johnny pencil. Maybe Tim won't cry as hard. <laughs> um, so um, briefly, Charles, if you would, um, beginning with a, a cedar tree, um, can you kind of walk us through the process by which uh, a pencil slat arrives at a pencil factory Um via Calcedar. Via Calcedar, yeah. So our supply chain probably is, you know, the historical supply chain. It's probably much different than many others now. But uh, obviously, and since Cedar is growing here in California as well as in Oregon, uh, so historically there's been a, a group of sawmills. At one time we had five sawmills of our own that we, we produced, but uh, with the transitions a number of years ago, we actually eliminated our own sawmills and began to focus on purchasing lumber 
from other sawmills uh, as as we always did to some degree also in addition to our own sawmill production. So essentially, the forests are you know privately owned or they're owned by uh, state or federal uh, agencies. Most of the harvesting these days is all coming off of private timberlands, although there is some uh, federal timberlands uh, that are that are still harvested. It's harder and harder to get that. There's been a lot of restrictions on on public harvesting, you know, going back 20 plus years now with the with the spotted owl. So uh, generally, what happens is that the timberland owners are um, Deciding where they want to sell their logs, or when when they want to harvest their logs, they're growing you know growing their trees and and then putting them on the market. Now some of the companies are integrated; they have you know their their own timberlands as well, and some people are just simply timberland owners. So and they put their logs out to bid. The logs then come into the sawmill. So where you know what's different probably from 30 years ago is where we specialized in incense cedar. Most of the sawmills that we buy from now are using multiple species of of trees. There's six or seven different, you know, commercial conifers generally that are harvested in California uh, alone. And so some of these larger complex mills will have all diff- all six or seven species that they cut, and they come into the mills. They get concentrated at the at the log yards, and then they'll uh, they'll run in different sawmills uh, or in the sawmill different runs on different species into different sets of products, depending upon what, uh, what the, what the species is and what the use for those species are in terms of incense cedar. Uh, we have, you know, beyond incense cedar for pencils, the incense cedar is also used for lung, for, for fencing products, for siding and decking products, some commercial products, as well as occasionally some millwork and specialty timbers, so there are other competing uses for uh, the, the incense cedar, and so that drives how, depending upon the log diameter and the log uh, grade, what yields out of that uh, out of the, each individual tree. So it's quite an operations research uh, um, issue to get through to what products come out of that. But generally, incense cedar, if maybe if we were cutting it because we're primarily in the pencil mill pencil business we would you know try to optimize for a maximization of pencil stock whereas other mills are more focused on a, on the highest value total return out of the log uh sometimes that's not just in heavy to pencil so uh basically we have com- competition that we have to pay for essentially in cedar for you know to to, to make you know to determine how they're going to cut that log so there's a lot of different products that come out of that and uh, the cedar is essentially dried in, in here in dry kilns after the three-by-three three squares are cut. The pencil stock, what we call pencil squares, is essentially a three eighty millimeter by 80 millimeter. It's about three-and-a-quarter-inch square by random lengths, usually from eight feet to up to 16 feet or so. And that material, once it's dried, is then put across a green chain where it's kind of graded and then pulled to grade and length and packaged into units where it can then be loaded in containers historically. Now, this is what's changed in the last, you know, 15, 17 years is in, you know, we used to have our slat factory located here in Stockton. And so the lumber would come down to Stockton and we'd make the pencil slats here in Stockton, but we had to relocate the facility to our Tangian China operation 
I made that decision around 2000 and at the late 2000 and 2001 started production. And by 2002, we were doing all of our production in our Tianjin, China slat factory. So the lumber is actually loaded on containers now, the pencil squares sent to uh, by by ocean over to our Tianjin facility. And from there at the slat factory, the lumber is cut down to blocks and then into slats and then uh, further graded, sorted, finished with stain and treat and added, added, added wax additives to improve sharpenability. Uh, and then shipped off to, from there, when it's packaged to the finished slats, there's quite a variety of products of plies and and widths, uh, both in widths and lengths and grades, uh, that go to customers. And our, you know, our job really is to get that to the right product to the right customer. There's you know, many customers want only the wide ply. Some are willing to take narrow ply because it ends up being a lower lower wood cost, but it's less efficient from a labor con con you know, const, contact uh, mm-hmm. standpoint. So um, the Western manufacturers in Europe. Uh, generally, in the U.S., generally want the widest supply material in order to have maximum efficiency through their productions. And uh, most of the narrower ply ends up in Asia somewhere. And from there, it's produced into the pencils. So if it's going into one of our products, obviously it goes to uh, for our our Palomino and our and our Blackwing products, the premium products. We go we ship we ship the slats to giant to, to sorry to Japan. We have a warehouse there where we service, you know, a number of our customers. And uh, as we need pro- products, we give a, you know, forecast commitment for the year uh, to our suppliers there and work with them on our, our programs. They produce the, the pencils, send them back to us, and we tip them and pack them here in Stockton in California at this point. We've been looking, we actually ordered a printer uh, because we're going to start doing some custom imprints. So we'll be doing maybe a little more value added here in Stockton in the future. Mm. Uh, so, uh, that's going to be something that we're excited about, but that machinery is not here yet. Hopefully just getting started with that later this year, but our other customers around the world, they're, they're in Europe, they're in Japan, they're in North and South America, they're you know, throughout Asia and they're producing their products or, or products, you know, in the cosmetics arena, none of the cosmetics brands themselves actually make pencils. They're, they're all made by companies that are in the pencil industry that specialize in cosmetics. They actually develop most of the formulations for the cores themselves uh, and provide, and, and, and the innovation really comes from those companies selling to the brands. And, and the brands are essentially marketing companies in the cosmetics arena. In terms of coloring pencils, and things like that. Um, you know, most of the big brands are manufacturing themselves, though more and more of that stuff is chopped out to other, you know, OEM type producers. So when you look at the whole supply chain, you know, companies, there's a number of companies now that have a brand of pencil, but aren't manufacturers themselves. That's, that would be ourselves, I guess, in terms of pencils. But, yeah. uh, many other, many other people that aren't even involved in the industry decided they want to offer a pencil. So they're, they're going out to other people to manufacture on an OEM basis for them. Right. So notepads that kind of how it... <laughs> yeah. So Probably before we go on, yeah, a lot of people do it from Musgrave, right? Hester and Cook. Yeah. There's a Musgrave does some, and you know, I know, I think Baron Fig is getting theirs from, uh, I know where they're coming from, but I don't want, I guess I don't want to say so. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so, before we talk about the, 
Before we talk about black wings, can, just for a second, can we go back to um, the topic that the idea that you guys are 100 years old? So, sure. Um, since you know people have been blogging about pencils, um, a lot of stuff has changed. Like U.S. production has really fizzled out. Um, there have been a lot of weird mergers. Um, a little before that, the original black wing died out. So, can you talk a little bit about how the pencil landscape in 2017 is different from the pencil landscape in 1917? Sure. Um, actually, it's kind of interesting. I mean, you know, I, in writing this book, uh, the story of Cal Cedar, a hundred years of pencil supply history, which is a bit of misnomer because our family started in the pencil industry in Germany in 1855. So we actually have over 160 years in the pencil industry overall. Uh, and then, you know, started with a company called Berlsheimer or Dealfilter, quickly found that the U.S. market was growing, opened a U.S. sales office and, you know, developed a brand called Eagle. Uh, and eventually Berlsheimer and Ilfelter, you know, ceased production in Germany and moved to New York. And the company became uh, Eagle Pencil Company and, and the, the other partners, the non-Berlsheimer partners were bought out. Um you know, in the, the wood that was used was uh, eastern red cedar. It grows primarily in the southeast, Juniperus virginiana. And uh, that was considered the, the primary wood for for uh, for pencils. And But it was getting used up uh, as more and more demand. And the, the, the global economy grew. The populations grew. It was getting exported to Europe. It was getting... Uh, used in the U.S. and the pencils were being produced, and it, you know, for about 80 or or 100 years or so, it, it was considered the pencil wood. It was you know, basically, in fact, another word for eastern red cedar was pencil wood. And uh, as supplies uh, got got tighter and prices went up, so people started looking for substitutes, and that's where you know the, the California story kind of comes in. And here again, a hundred years later, we're kind of seeing the same thing. So uh, Eagle, you know, started looking at at the Western species of conifers. Uh, incense cedar proved to be probably the best substitute at that time, and in many cases better technically. And they started the first slat factory in California in San Leandro. Uh, so that was actually started by our family, but it was Eagle Pencil Company under their Hudson Lumber. Uh, and they they then started proving that there was demand or a quality product that could be made. And then everybody in the industry jumped in and followed the wood to California. And within a matter of you know 25 or 30 years, there were... 10, 10 or 12 pencil slat factories in California and Oregon. Hmm. Uh, and California Cedar, the founders of California Cedar, were people who had lumber industry experience in California. Uh, the Thurmans, uh, W.B. Thurman was from Madera, which actually means wood in Spanish. It's a town here in the Central Valley further south. His father had been a lumberman who had actually founded the town. Uh, interesting, W.B. Thurman had been a had been a uh, sheriff of the Madera County and uh, following in his father's footsteps a little bit, but then uh, was sh was shot by in an escape attack. This is like 1898 or something. <laughs> he was shot by somebody trying to escape from the jail, and he quickly resigned. He, you know, I guess he hurt his hand or something. It wasn't too serious, but he decided this isn't for me, and he went back to the lumber business. And so by 19... 19... 15 or tw so, I, you know, we found a lot of literature in like 
magazines and things like that that showed what was the interest in uh, cedar and the growing interest in things you know related to timberland, uh, timber magazines and 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 things like that. Looking on the on the internet, and so incense cedar uh, you know proved its way, and Cal Cedar got founded in in 1970 by Thurman and another guy from. San Francisco, who was a big trumber and a big trader of of sugar pine, uh, and so the two of them built the business up for about seven years before we bought it. In fact, we actually were competing with Dixon and another company to buy Cal Cedar. Uh, you know, by that time, our family had had a little split up after three generations, and the the, the eastern side of the family stayed in in New York and continued to own Eagle, and we came out to California, my grandfather and and bought California cedar. So now you look at a hundred years old later and 90 years later where things go, where the opportunity is. So people, the industry moved from Europe to the U S because there was a growing market in the U S there was abundant resources. There were graphite uh, supplies. And now, you know, in come the 1990s, you start seeing the China open up uh, and you see increasing production and investment in, in China for pencils um, you know, and a lot of you know, a lot of new woods coming in from there, as well as uh, lar- large deposits of graphite in China being used to make to make pencils. So, uh, I think in a way, certain things don't change. You know, you 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 look a hundred years, and you still have the same competitive factors. Whether it's duty issues were an issue that were being faced. One of the things, you know, we have the anti-dumping duties here in the United States since 1995 against Chinese pencils. Well, the U.S. was, the the, the, German, the your, your Germans had duties against Europe, U.S. pencils, you know, a hundred years ago. So it was, it's kind of interesting to see how things change, but they don't in many ways. There were a lot of common themes uh, over a hundred years in, in the industry. Obviously, brands come and go, like you mentioned. Uh, Eberhardt Faber Blackwing disappeared, and and a lot of the companies consolidated. And eventually, here in California, you know, California Cedar became and Hudson were the last two remaining slat manufacturers. Until 1998, we acquired their assets, and were the last producer of incense cedar slats in California when we moved the plant. To China now. Fortunately, we're still using incense cedar, but we use you know two or three other species. We have another western species in California in, that grows in California, white fir that we use, and we're using some poplar species now as well. Hmm. Poplar is getting popular. Yeah, well, pop, yeah, <laughs> the most popular species. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of different poplar species around the world, but it's used quite commonly. Yeah, in India, it's increasing. Increasingly, most of the pencils in China, hmm. Chinese pencils are made with poplar these days, less with basswood. Basswood has uh, actually been over-harvested. There have been a lot of restrictions placed on basswood. Most of the basswood that is coming in the market is coming from Russia, hmm. and some of that has questionable you know, provenance these days. So uh, we've actually kind of de-emphasized that material in our, in our supply chain over the last few years. Hmm. So, uh, and what, and what products we offer? Yeah. So, speaking of of supply chains, um, I let's move on to the talk about the Blackwing Volumes um, initiative you guys are doing. I I've always thought that it, you know one of the reasons that you guys can pull off like a quarterly pencil is because like I don't think probably any other people in the world have like the same insight into supply chains as you do. Um, 
and like trying to pull this off, you know, with somebody just like me who like knows people and knows people who knows people just wouldn't work because I can't like keep all of these plates spinning, spinning in the air. So, um, yeah, so I think we're going to switch over to talk about Blackwing Volumes, if that's cool with you. Um, and Johnny, uh, sure. do you want to you wanna lead us off? Sure. So um, for folks that don't know, Blackwing Volumes are quarterly releases that have a certain theme and then also a certain aesthetic, and they sort of tie together. Um, so the first one came out in summer 2015, which was Volume 725. But I'm assuming just because getting them made must have taken some time, that the idea was a lot sooner. So can you take us through not just how you got the idea for the 725, but how did you get the idea to do Blackwing volumes in general? So the the, the volumes and concept came from you know Grant Christensen and Alex Poirier in our Blackwing, you know, in our team, in our branded group team. I've actually haven't had much to do with it. In fact, out of nine issues, they haven't accepted one of my ideas yet for, <laughs> for volumes. And uh, you know, I, I you know I don't want to force my hand. I like to let the creativity flow from from the team. But uh, so obviously, it's something that takes some time. There have been there have been times when you know even even with our experience and relationships, uh, there's been a lot of things going on in the industry that kind of impacted our how quickly we could get some. There is quite a bit of lead time, you know, with, with, with the product coming in from Japan. There are times of the year that our suppliers are busier than others. And so when you're trying to do a, a new pencil every four, three months or so, uh, you know, sometimes you're running up against that. We had the color uh, change, the, the coloring trend that impacted things. So generally we start trying to i decide nowadays we've tried to we try to decide what the next four issues are be about a year in advance or so so we're always trying to work quite quite a way, quite a ways out with ideas uh and then the other thing is you run into ch- issues or challenges on is maybe you have a technical issue in the production uh that delays things or that uh or issue when you're trying to do something, particularly when you're trying to partner with uh, somebody uh, about, you know, that, that's got some, you know, name rights or things like that. Obviously, something with the Steinbecks was a relationship that took time to build, right? Um, and so some of those things, you know, some, some of those things are in the works for a lot longer. You think you're going to do them earlier. They take, and you have to be ready for the, with the next Thing so there's been some I can I can tell you there's been some times where we're air freighting pencils, getting them here just in time and getting them just enough to do whatever <laughs> we need for the subscriptions to get out uh, on the base and there's been a few times where we've been you know two or maybe even one time three weeks later than our original target date so yeah it's even with our experience it's it's a challenge uh, there's uh, a lot of factors. Yeah, there's yeah. a there's a lot of factors. So, but so, but I you know I I've got to credit the team. They do they work really hard. Everybody pulls together. Uh, when we're right up against the wire, there's you know everybody's in there packing and 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 pulling things together. It's a big team effort. And yeah, and you know some some of the ideas you know there's a lot of different ideas that can thrown out and and I don't even know what most of them are probably, but, you know, I, usually I, I kind of know one or two in advance what they're going to be. Um, so, so you always have a plan B so, or maybe even a plan C. 
<laughs> Generally, yeah. yeah. I don't know about Plan C. I guess I, I guess that would be really good planning. I, I guess we're getting better at planning, yeah. so we're okay at planning now. Or we're you know, but it, I think you know, it's it's been more comfortable, and we've been you know, it's also the other thing that's is you know, is that you're increasing the number of subscribers, you're we're increasing the number of dealers, yeah. Uh, and so the you know the amount that we might produce in any given run is a challenging thing to judge because you know how popular do we think that's going to be uh you know how many how many are we going to sell through this obviously we know what the subscriptions are but more and more of the volume and 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 the majority of the volume actually goes through our our dealer network you know we know what we're you know and we always have a reserve for pencils.com what we think we're going to sell um, you know, ourselves directly and, and all that. So I've definitely and, been you know, seeing we a try lot to more. plan those. We try to plan those generally to run out of stock and close out before the next one releases. Yeah. And part of that is with the dealers, you know, they don't want too many different pencils on, on their shelves. Yeah. I definitely see, um, a lot more stores around here carrying the volumes as opposed to just, just like the three main ones and, and some of the notebook products. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, we're excited about that. It's and it gives us a touch point every quarter to come back to them with a new item and yeah, and you know follow up them with, with them about reorders and things like that. So it's really been a big help in creating and telling new stories all the time and keeping the you know we don't talk we don't talk so much about the historic story of the original Blackwing 602 and we did, obviously we did that a lot going forward. But now and more and more we're talking about the new creators and the new partnerships that we're developing. Yeah, with 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 people and and things like that. Yeah, when uh, Jim Kudal was on um, the talk show, or no, the Big Web Show, which is a, a podcast um, by Jeffrey Zeldman, he um, was talking a little bit about field notes, and he was he was saying about how you know quarterly editions are not only good for you know making something cool and having kind of like consistent income, but it gives you four times a year in which you have a really good reason for talking to your customers and having those customers actually open, you know, open the email or, or whatever, um, as opposed to exactly. just sending out like a, a quarterly newsletter or something. So it's a, yeah, such a, such a great idea from just a marketing perspective too. Yeah. So, um, so you're, you're nine editions in, um, and the themes of the individual di- editions are pretty diverse. Um, a few focus on individuals. Uh, one pays homage to the gold rush, one honors like West and East trade. Uh, how do you guys, I, I guess this might be more of a question for Grant and Alex, but how do you get your ideas for new editions? Um, like how do you sit down and sort of like synthesize these? Um, and how do people kind of like take these and then translate them into more abstract concepts like design and, you know, which colors to use, which core to use, that sort of thing. So the, in terms of the, the concepts for each story, you know, basically we're telling a series of, of stories, right? And I think the common theme around those is is something is is around, you know, creativity and expression generally, and different forms of it. But when we talk about things like the Silk Road one, the theme there was really, even though it was it was about the it was about the the sharing and the spreading of ideas because the Silk Road was a way that the East and the West came together. Another reason why the Silk Road, you know, why that came, we've been getting a lot of inquiries or or questions from, you know, our foreign dealers. We have quite a bit of 
of dealers and distributors now in in Europe and Japan and Korea and and uh, around the world and Australia and and they're asking for some themes that aren't always just U.S. based, right? So that was actually our first attempt to do something that had a more international flavor to it as well, and and it, from, it was kind of the concept of. The, of the you know the creativity uh, or the the sharing of ideas and spreading of uh, uh, of ideas on the Silk Road, the jade concept came came through with you know being one of the traded commodities I guess, and and something that would lead you know that kind of fit in with the design concept and you know so the number. And the story, and you know, the number that in terms of what volume number, that's kind of all usually probably the last thing that's decided. How, you know, what are we going to number this one, this thing? Sometimes we'll go. We may even know what the theme is and the general design is, and we'll go through. You know, they'll be talking about two or three different volume numbers to assign to it. That's yeah. kind of the last part of the story. And that's that's one uh, of my favorite parts because I I I like just rampantly speculating. I think it's fun. So. I think uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. So the gold, you know, the gold rush one was really more about the, the concepting to the eureka moment, you know, of the the moment, the moment of inspiration. Maybe it didn't come through as well, and you know, because we chose five thirty and the, the which is the historical marker for Sutter's Mill and all that. Hmm. Um, so you know, I think you know, I think you know, we we we'd like to do more with people. We have some in in mind, you know, honoring different people, but we just, we, you know, we want to try to be, we want some diversity of, of ideas there. We don't just want it always to be the same, you know, the same thing, a new person every time. Yeah. Johnny. Uh, okay. So we've talked about this amongst ourselves a lot and we've sort of ranked the volumes and there might be one or two that were not my favorites. So what are your three favorite volumes or, even if you can't do three, like two or four, or pick a number. Oh, what are your three. favorites? Uh, 211, 24, and the 73 we just did. Hmm. That's, uh, that's really close to um, our three favorites, too, I think. Yeah. So I think yeah. obviously the 211, um, I argued for more production there, but. <laughs> 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 But we didn't do it, so um, you know it's, it tells the story. The John, the John Muir story, I think you know was was interesting. Obviously, um, you know one of my personal interests is natural history and the history of natural history. I do a lot of collecting and reading about uh, of old books on natural history, illustration by naturalists and things like that. I've read a. Re- a bit about about Muir, and I'm a member of the Board of Regents here at the University of Pacific, where the John Muir Center is. So, partnering with them on doing the Muir story, and when I found, you know, when we saw that map of where the the John Muir Trail, how it how it you know how it uh, overlaid against the growing range of Incense Cedar, it was kind of a real interesting fit. And doing that, hmm. doing the, the the laser etch slat, we're doing the story on that with the map was kind of a cool add-on idea that one of the one of the people in the company came up with at the time and and so that was it was kind of it was kind of fun to do that one uh and obviously as a, as california cedar products company just showing that natural product that's that's got to be my favorite yeah uh, the steinbeck is really nice i just like the all black that you know i probably would have preferred an all uh, kind of a matte black myself i like i really like our you know standard 
traditional what you call the MMX, right? As as in terms <laughs> of a matte black over the glossier black, but I think it was it was it was a nice call, and it was really Tom Steinbeck, John's son, who gave us you know the the design guidelines for that and what the pencil he thought would be most favored by his father based on what he knew about his father's writing ritual and things like that. So just, the, you know, that what that's led to in terms of a, uh, a relationship with, you know, unfortunately Tom passed away, but with Gail and now with Johnny and Sarah Lee and things like that, it's just been, it's been really special. So it's been, you know, I love the product and obviously that was our, I think that was our first edition with this extra firm lead. Um, and so that that went that went well, and then just the the natural the Tahoe story, uh, you know. That's I just doing this. We've been thinking about this special uh, textured finish that we put on this, where we put the topography of the lake bottom on it, and and how to use that technology in some releases in the past. And it was got, it was nice to finally bring that concept into the into the di- design of the pencil. Uh, the color and just uh, and the fact that we timed it with our our centennial party in Tahoe was 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 great and we did a nice little collaboration with uh, the League to Save Lake Tahoe and Keep Tahoe Blue with that so those are those are the three that I, you know I, I'm most connected to I like the I like the pencils themselves I guess each of them uses a different core so yeah. Um, yeah and and you know in terms of how we choose what core we're doing uh, to some degrees, I guess, you know, deep space, deep, deep water, both of those, the 1138 and the 73 were the two that have used the, the, the MMX type core, uh, the, the soft, the super soft. And, and um, so I, you know, and the gold or a metallic thing using, using the others. So, uh, you know, we don't want to use the same one every time. And, and we know that some people have their favorites and probably least often is going to be the softest lead because, you know, that's not the most popular of all the leads necessarily from everybody. Yeah. But, um, do you have any, uh, any stories you can regale us with about, um, some of the most difficult additions to make, uh, a reality and, or maybe some of the individual pieces of it or, or even like if you're, willing to talk about it, and I understand if you're not, um, some things that you've wanted to try to do, but you just haven't been able to figure out how to do it quite yet. And maybe you want to save that for an actual edition. So probably, well, the 1138 was the first edition where we did um, the roll-on imprint process, Mm -hmm. right? And, And that you know that the lineup and we've used that you know a couple other times on the jade since you know the versions uh and it's it's hard to get that lineup and we actually went back and forth it's kind of funny it's the conversations as as picky as the japanese are on quality when we go back to them and talk to them about things and say we want to reject this or, or that they say we're the pickiest customer they have <laughs> <laughs> So, so, you know, there's been times where there's been times where we've actually just been forced to accept something that we really didn't want to release. Uh, we hate to do that, but you know, we didn't want to miss the edition altogether. So, you know, 
we're, there are some ideas or some concepts for some, some things we want to do, but I just, I can't tell you, I don't know, no, I know. <laughs> specifically what they all are these days in terms of, uh, of them. But I guess, you know, the simpler the design, obviously the easier, the easier they are. If it's a pretty much a straight lacquering job with some sort of, you know, a variety of finish, those are, those are the easiest when you start getting into some sort of printing or this other type of process, like with this new process that we used on the, with the texture. Yeah. And you know, you, you, there's textures that are on things like the grip pencils. And I've seen some pencils from, from Faber Castell that don't have the grip, the dots, but also have similar kind of, uh, layered on materials. So, uh, there's probably some other ideas and thoughts we've had, but I, you know, I, I actually don't even know what's in the work with, with respect to those. Yeah. And, right now. And that's one thing I really like about you know, subscription services is, and I know that I disagree with some other people philosophically about it, but I love the idea that we're, you know, sort of paying, paying futures for the manufacturers to experiment. Um, you know, sometimes if you have something that maybe isn't like exactly what you were trying to do, but you, you did it and you learned from it and you improve upon it. Like that's what I think is really great about it. And some of the other, like the weird stuff that Baron Fig has done or, <laughs> or, um, you know, field notes even, but so that's, that's totally fine and very interesting to me, especially when I hear about like the process behind it. Yeah. Well, thank you. So we've, we've joked about the, the, um, the spectral extra firm natural black wing, but can you tell us if there are any future black wings that are not volumes that would be part of the standard lineup, perhaps in the works, like an extra fine natural one? <laughs> it's in discussion but undecided <laughs> that's a good that's answer all I can say. super secret his comment but is that say there, there, are, no there are lobbying groups in different camps on that so the decisions haven't been made who so I don't know that be made. Can, can you tell me who but I need to pay soft. off but uh, no <laughs> who I need I'll to let, go you, to I'll let you figure that out <laughs> start taking people to lunch and find out <laughs> Um, and and I I probably know uh, the answer to this one, Charles, but I would not be um, worth the like fake journalism that we practice here. But uh, can you hint at any uh, up- upcoming releases? Uh, the next one, I think people are going to like. Okay, how about that? That's, <laughs> That's about <good>. as. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's going to have something, you know, it's going to have something different we've never done before. So, yes, that's uh, awesome. and in, in a, in a volumes edition. So I think, I think people are going to like it, but we'll see. Yeah. No problem. I like the story of it too. So this one's, this one's been one that's been in a work for a while. So it'll be, that's it'll cool. be interesting. We're, we're excited about it for yeah. September. Very cool. Excellent. So to close up, um, sort of our big discussion. Can we touch on environmental stewardship briefly? Because you guys have sort of been, you know, at the front of green pencils for a long time. So um, the Forest Choice pencil you guys launched in 1999. Is that right? Yeah. It was the yeah, sure. first Forest Stewardship Council certified pencil. And, you know, since then, are all of your slats either FSC or PEFC certified? Uh, I'd like to say that a hundred percent were, but no, they're not. Okay. Um, we, our policy is to, you know, have as much of our production certified or not. Generally, when we take a new species on, that is a priority. Mm-hmm. Um, but just in terms of incense cedar, the way the incense cedar 
uh, in the forest land ownership and stewardship that goes on throughout the growing range with different ownership blocks and interest. You have some managers and owners that are committed to uh, FSC and some that are committed to SFI and some are just saying we have good enough laws in place. We already have the highest standards in California and Oregon around the world in terms of harvest policies and management mm-hmm. policies, and those are good enough. So we obviously can't do 100% certified in all of our cedar products, uh, product line, or we wouldn't get enough cedar to supply the market. It's tight enough as it is uh, today because of a lot of, you know, there's actually been some new changes in the market uh, because of the droughts out here in the last, you know, four or five years. Uh, the particularly the pine, the ponderosa pine trees have been stressed, and they've had some. You know, there's been various trees in the central California region. Probably, if you go on the Lake Tahoe, you might see trees dying off and things like that. Now we have a infestation in California of the pine bark beetle, which is rapidly attacking a lot of the trees. And uh, timber land owners, in order to manage, you know, to address that issue, are filing for emergency timber harvest permits. And uh, as a result of that, when they get those granted, they really can only go in. They're kind of going in to a piece of property that might they may not had plans. It wasn't going to be in their rotation cutting cycle for another 10 or 15 years, but they need to get salvaged what value they can. So they go in, and they're only allowed to take the affected species. That means they're leaving cedar in the forest and some of the other species in the forest. So that's all impacting uh, cedar supply right now. So, you know, as much as I'd love to say we'll, uh, you know, we, we'd only have FSC or, or PEFC or, or SFI, which is kind of the global umbrella for, uh, or the local umbrella for PEFC, which is kind of a global umbrella for other certification programs. Uh, we can't get it all. In fact, you know, these days, some days, I think we ought to be going out and buying some logs from some people <laughs> in their house, you know, where they want to take a tree down in their yard. We'll hmm. we'll take them where we can get them these days. So, yeah, obviously, those lands aren't going to be certified lands. So, um, so in terms of the new species, that when when we add a poplar species or the white fir, the white fir program uh, is an FSC program that we've added. Uh, that's just coming into the market now. And uh, we're actually going to begin to see, you know, because of the, the shortage on cedar that's happening and some price increases that are going to happen on cedar pencils, we're going to start to see some changes, you know, down the road here in the pencils, in some of the pencils that have been using incense cedar around the industry for quite some time and shifts into substitution into new species, hmm. um, which is unfortunate. I don't want to get into any particular brands and how they're going to deal with it, but we know it's coming and uh and mainly it's because of the supply issue that's probably we should see some recovery in the next two to three years after they go through these harvest cycles but uh the other species that we have is uh, in a um the poplar program that we're putting together uh it's actually a plantation poplar uh in china and that's all an fsc certified program that we're working on so uh pretty much the other species we try to make sure are 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 FSC certified. Bass, bass, the little basswood we do, we have some FSC and we have some that's not FSC and, and we're slowly phasing that program out in, 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 you know, with these others in mind. Plus we have a couple other species we're working on. We're always trying to work on something and have something down the road. Um, 
But you know, we think basswood's kind of done for us going forward. I think it's still being used, hmm. but uh, I'm not sure that it's, we're not too. We're pretty concerned about the reliability of of that and whether it's compliant with all, all the lo, even the local regulations in a lot of cases. Um, one final question, uh, Charles: uh, Will we see any more products in the Forest Choice line that you would care to talk about today? Well, I think I hinted to that uh, earlier that we are thinking about some changes mm, that's right. uh, that that's would true. actually that would actually bring some new Force Choice products in, and we do want to build that up a, a bit. And so, uh, you know, I, we haven't made any of the clear decisions on that exactly, but we're yeah. one thing we're looking at is maybe a triangular version. I don't know how people Ooh. feel about tri- triangular pencils, oh, but yes. you know how I feel um, about that triangular Golden Bear. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you know, that is one area that we're looking at doing a forest choice. Uh, and we do have round forest choice in the color packs, but not a, not in a not in a written pencil. Or yeah. How about a pencil? How about a choice? And wing? the other the other thing is we have another we do have a new notebook coming out in forest choice, uh, which we're actually pretty excited about. It's another partnership with the University of Pacific and the John Muir Center, and we've been collaborating with them. It's kind of a content included uh journal it's the john muir observer journal and uh what? you know yes and it'll be coming out awesome. this fall when it's we just completed production it's you know getting ready to ship on the water now the university of pacific has the john muir center where they have they do a lot of education about muir in fact you know the library the special collections library at holt Atherton laboratory library at university pacific has about 70 or 80 percent of of the original journals and papers of and letters of john muir um the, the family descendants of john muir's went to this university and decided to donate and, and provide those properties to the university in safekeeping and uh, they're used you know people come from around the world actually to study those papers i know I, I know somebody given my history my interest in natural history i know somebody wrote a a picture uh, wrote a book on alexander von Humboldt in the last couple of years came and researched those things at the at the library there because Muir was influenced by Humboldt. So uh, anyway, we've worked with the team at, at Pacific to develop uh, a notebook that's got it's going to have about 16 pages of content, original content from uh, you know excerpts of, of journal uh, writings, drawings, um, some some you know historical information, some letters, some things like that. And and the idea is to influence people to become a mirror observer and to, you know, record the world around them in writing in the journal the way that Muir did. And uh, they're planning to use it with as part of their orientation with their inbound freshmen. And we think this is going to be an exciting product to help us build a little more retail distribution for the, the Force Choice brand by oh, getting yeah. that product out there. That sounds really cool. Oh, that's so, fantastic. Well, I think a uh, Forest Choice Blackwing would be really awesome, too, a natural wood Blackwing with a green ferrule. So uh, I'll I'll give you that one for free. Yeah, I don't know how we call that <laughs> Palomino Blackwing Forest Choice. <laughs> the Choice Wing. What? I don't know how the branding would work yeah. like that. So. Wow. Just I, slap a bunch of yeah. names on it. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe a maybe a, <laughs> maybe a Palomino quality without a fer- you know, uh Oh, the green, Japanese the green black wing ferrule is the green black wing yeah. ferrule is really so, what's going to make it. <laughs> the, a green black wing ferrule, okay, yeah. kind of like the 
A green yeah, one of the Ooh, pen- one of my wing. favorite Japanese pencils is the Tombow eighty nine hundred, which that's the green pencil with a yeah. They call it, yeah. I think they call it a touching, a retouching pencil or something like that. Is that the made by elaborate it's process? Great, it's got this Im- great imprint on it. Says micro crystallite or something yes. like that. <laughs> who knows what? Who knows what that is? <laughs> Just make it up. Cool. Uh, anything you want to add before we wrap it up, Charles? No, well, I appreciate as always the opportunity to, you know, to talk with you guys and share a little bit about the company. It's, you know, it's been a fun road the last, I guess, especially the last seven years since introducing the Blackwing. We're always trying to do some new things. We do our best at listening to people out there and feedback and input. Uh, you know, whether it's ideas for uh, releases or feedback on product. I know the point. You know, the point guard we released recently. Uh, you know, we had some concerns about that based on that were expressed, and we on this on the next production run we made some adjustments there, and we think it improved the product quite a bit. So, yeah. and we that was the same the same thing when we introduced the original uh, the Palomino Blackwing. You know, we had some people who were asking for something that was more reminiscent of the original 602 in terms of the firmness and design, and so you know, I think it was. It was only about six, eight months later that we got the next, the next item out. This, the, you know, our six hundred two version. Cool. So, well, it's, uh, we try to do what we can there to listen. You know, sometimes, sometimes we think they're good ideas. Sometimes we think, oh gosh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> shut it down in the peanut gallery, guys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Um, it's always a pleasure having you on. You are a wealth of knowledge, and a lot of us who are, you know, just guessing or or just super interested in the how the sausage is made the the pencil sausage is made um really really love having you on so um let's well, do it again I, soon. I appreciate that and i appreciate you know when i can get a chance or you know i tend to go on binges when it's social media so it's not <laughs> all the time but i'll see some conversation in the erasable podcast group group and I feel like just I can add a little <laughs> add a little value there yeah. or not or maybe just drive people nuts but <laughs> or um, both. Yeah. as all as always I can get a bit too detailed but okay. anyway I'm you know I'm excited about the fact that we've reached 100 years here you don't get here uh, without a lot of hard work and and you know support and and you know we're kind of relying on the success of the past but you have to you have to continue to innovate and you know, keep the values that you've had dear and, and, and keep that as, as a core of what you do. Yeah. So we appreciate, you know, we appreciate all of our customers, whether they're in the slat business or our retail dealers or those who are fans of our, end, you know, of the end products and appreciate what you guys do to, you know, spur the interest in pencils. Yeah. So, uh, Charles, where can we find, um, where can I find you on the internet if anybody wants to follow you on social media and um, and the company? So personally, I am not uh, too uh, active these days. I I have at C Barrels, but both at in Instagram and Twitter, I rarely tweet anything. Sometimes I retweet something, but I do post some photographs every now and then, either something about when I'm on some of my travels or something like that. Uh, and, uh, we have, uh, I have, you know, historically I have the Timberlines blog, blog that was on blogspot. We've actually been in the process of migrating that over to the Cal Cedar website. So oh, wow. the Timberlines blog was actually, Timberlines was actually the original name of our company newsletter. So when I chose that as our blog name, 
some years ago, was really taking something that would, had been our internal newsletter, company newsletter. And so we've actually now, you know, under the blogs, most of the content is has been at least all the written content, some person, more personal stuff off didn't go, didn't go over. But stuff that's related to the company and the industry has gone over. I posted today uh, a first day summary uh, of the of our centennial events, and all the galleries are up now uh, with photos of the centennial events. And over the next couple of days, we'll be seeing a couple more posts that finish out, kind of just telling more of the detail of what happened during our our centennial event. We've got some. Uh, fun stuff that came out of that. And we still have some content from the centennial and the history that we'll be sharing, you know, over the, over the blog, over the next six months or so before the year is out. Our actual centennial hundredth birthday is December 14th. That was the, that was the date on which our, our, our company, um, the first shares were interested in, you know, were, were issued and that shows in our stock records book. So yeah. and that happens to be the day we're going to have our board of directors meeting, our annual Christmas party. And, and so we're going to make it a birthday party too. And that'll be a little more private affair just for, you know, the employees and shareholders and, hmm. and director and, and the directors of the company. But very cool. Well, thank you Thanks. so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on and, uh, yeah. Catch Charles, um, Definitely. elsewhere on the internet. Um, Johnny, where can people find you? You can find me at pencilrevolution.com, on Twitter at Pensolution, and you can find me by my name on Instagram. How about you, Andy? Uh, I am at woodclinch.com and uh, A. Wellfle, A-W-E-L-F-L-E, on Twitter and Instagram. So uh, this has been the Erasable Podcast. Uh, this has been episode number 79. If anybody would like to see show notes and links for what we talk about today, go to erasable.us slash 79. Uh, if you want to come join our Facebook community that we talked a little bit about, a little bit about before, uh, we're at facebook.com slash groups slash erasable. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash erasable podcast, which is sort of the official mouthpiece of, of the company. There's not a lot of chatter going on there. Uh, we're at Twitter and Instagram as at erasable podcast. Uh, we're on iTunes. We would love it if you would uh, give us a review if you haven't already, just because it kind of helps boost our visibility and recommendations on Apple Podcasts, uh, recommend on Overcast, and et cetera. So thank you all for joining us again, and thank you, Charles, for spending some of your time with us tonight, and we will all see you in a couple weeks. Thank you. Good night. The intro music for the Erasable Podcast is graciously provided by This Mountain, a collaborative folk rock band from Johnson City, Tennessee. You can check out their music at www.thismountainband.com. Gaze captures me with wonder.